Hey, I'm, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on our team. Hello, everybody. Hello, online community. Glad you guys are, are with us today. We're going to be in, um, in John chapter 15 this morning. And um, I'd love to have you guys turn with me to John 15. We're going, we're going to continue. We're going, you know, we're entering into Lent this week. Ash Wednesday starts it. It's this Wednesday. And next Sunday is the first Sunday in Lent. And we're going to be doing some special things during Lent, but we're also going to still be in the book of John as we continue forward, talking about becoming Christ followers. And we're going to get to this place in John where he is going to challenge us today. John 15, after the passage that Michael preached on last week, he's going to challenge us today with this mind-blowing notion that he is our friend. I don't know what you do with that. I don't know what you do with that concept. I don't know what your religious background has been. I don't know if that sounds to you like, oh yeah, the whole buddy Jesus thing or whatever. Like, I don't know if it sounds irreverent to you, but you guys, this is what he is. He is a ever-present friend in our midst of our journey, day in and day out, ups and downs, pain and struggles, joys and victories. He is in our midst. Jesus walks with us, and that is our hope. That's all we got to go on. That's all we got. And all the things that we're carrying today and where all this emotion's coming from, because so many of you have experienced loss or are walking with people experiencing loss this week in particular. We're all tired as a staff team. We're all in love with Jesus. All this emotion is coming from the fact that we have nothing else to give you than the reality that this is not a religion. This is not some sort of a therapeutic moral deism where God is some higher power way up in the ether somewhere that we all somehow feel a little better that there's somebody up there at the controls. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a savior who walked in our shoes, who lives in our midst, who indwells us by his Holy Spirit and is with us every step of the way. Jesus is our friend. We believe this. We believe this. Otherwise, I got nothing for you. I got nothing. I got nothing. I don't know what, I, don't, I got nothing for you. I don't know what to, I got nothing but that. Man, that's good news. That is good news, because that's our hope. Has anybody experienced the friendship of Christ who has brought you hope? Anybody in this room right now? So we're in John 15. We're in this upper room discourse. This is the last week of Jesus's life. He's on his way to the cross. He's in Jerusalem. We've had the triumphal entry. He's entered in. They've proclaimed him as some version of their king. They're putting their hope in Christ on some level. Some of the people are now. He's gathered his disciples for the last supper, and he's having all of this conversation with them. John 13, 14, 15, where we are now. We'll be there next 16 and 17 when he prays for them. And John 18, he gets arrested and is on his way to the cross. But this long section, if you have the kind of Bible that I have that has red letters for Jesus's words, it's all read in here. It's all Jesus talking, teaching, telling us. And he's made this point over and over and over again. He's made the point over and over and over again that we're to love one another like he's loved us and that we can't do that without his Holy Spirit. This is about loving him loving people, loving the world, and needing the Holy Spirit. And now he drops this thing on us where he's going to go, and guess what? You and I are friends. And this gets really personal really fast. Well, you've seen this message all the way through. Uh, Danny, a couple weeks ago, or uh, Ben actually started um, this section preaching in John 13. And um, 
He said this, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. That's from John 13. This is the beginning of that, of that, you know, sort of idea of loving one another and needing the Holy Spirit. You, here's what I, here's the command I give you, love each other. Just like I loved you, you must love one another. Next chapter, John 14, Danny preached on this. Jesus said in verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Last week, uh, Michael preached on John 15. Here's verse five. This is that idea of the Holy Spirit. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You're gonna be this person of love, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is that idea he's rehearsing over and over again. Listen, here's the command. You gotta love each other. You gotta love the world. You gotta love me back just like I loved you and you're gonna need the Holy Spirit to do that. And then in verse, and halfway through verse, uh, sorry, chapter 15, he drops this bomb that talks about friendship. He goes, I'm, I've called you friends. This is the journey we're on. This is real and we're together on it. Man, I love the concept of friendship. Again, I don't know if you're like, ah, oh, I don't like the buddy Jesus thing. I like to keep my God kind of up there safe and distant and angry dadness. But man, he's like, I am your friend. We have to kind of get in touch with our past if we want to think about friendships. The ideal thought of a friendship, friendship is so beautiful and so incredible. Some of us have to go way back because especially, especially if you're on the older half of the spectrum, because guess how many friends old people have? Zero. That's what happens when you get old. You don't have friends anymore. You've gotten really safe and you've got this little circle around you and you're just kind of getting through life a little bit. And very few people have true, deep and rich friendships after the age of about 27. It's the worst. Some of you young people are like, that is pathetic. And I I know it's so true. It's just a thing. It's a thing and it's a bummer. But when you go back and you do think about your friendships as a kid, I, was, I texted my friend Dave Barnes this morning. Every story I ever tell you about my growing up that I want to use as a hook or an illustration or something fun as part of a sermon, David Barnes was part of it. David Barnes and I think his mom was my room mother in kindergarten. And uh, he may be online right now. David, a little thumbs up if you're online because I told him, he's like, Are you, what do you mean you're talking about me? Can I watch it online? So David, love you. He, he and I have been friends since we were kids. All the fun stuff that I did as, as a child, like all of the adventure of trying to find my strength as a young man, we was, he and I, he was the guy that introduced me to motorcycles. He had a Honda 50, and he was the guy, we would like get on the skateboard behind his Honda 50 on the public streets in Oakland with a water ski rope and a skateboard and a Honda 50. You don't learn your masculinity until you figure out how to skateboard behind a Honda 50. Like, he's the guy, he's the guy, remember the Honda 90 story I told you guys about? We rebuilt that Honda 90 and got it started up at his cabin in Tahoe and rode it all over the place and tried to figure out how to drive a clutch because we didn't know. Like, David's been a part of all of the joy. You know the story about me breaking into the A's game, the World Series in 1974, like I broke into the Coliseum and went to the, they all sound illegal, all my stories. <laughs> We crashed the gates and got into the, 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 well, it was the final game of the 1974 World Series when the A's won. That was with David Barnes. We told, I told my mom I was going to his house. He told his mom he was going to my house and we hitchhiked to the Coliseum and then broke in. 
and then ran around the field. That was Dave Barnes that did that. We watched the movie Brian's Song. Anybody old enough to remember the movie Brian's Song? Where you cried, me and him cried bro tears over these two football players who loved each other and had a friendship. This is me and David Barnes. David Barnes and I, he, I invited Carolyn and he invited Marie and we went to the Oakland Museum Ishi exhibit and decided this was the day we were gonna get our first kisses and we were gonna do it together on that day with these girls. We got our first kisses together, Dave Barnes and I. We might have practiced on each other. I don't remember that part. It's my buddy David, man. He invited me when I was 13 years old to go to church because I had zero church background and touch points. And I went to church and on that day, Jesus captured my heart and changed my life forever. We went to senior prom together. We had dance parties at his house. We were in each other's weddings. Friendship is beautiful. We walk with each other and find ourselves and our strengths and we struggle and we fall and we carry one another. Friendship is beautiful. And this text, Jesus goes, I'm your friend. Enough with the religion thing. I walk with you. Let's look at the text in John 15. Starting in verse 9, it's kind of the prelude to that. It follows the verses that Michael preached on. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Love it in this context of that repeated message. You love each other. You love me back. I love you. You love each other. You love the world. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to do it. And then he drops that in there and goes, by the way, you understand we're friends, right? That's what my love looks like. We're friends. That friends of Jesus, that, again, that might feel a little interesting to us to hear that. It's not new. It's not even a new biblical concept. It's not common in the Bible, but it's in there. Like Abraham, who started the whole thing. Like when God was starting to reveal himself to the world and revealed himself through his chosen people, the Israelites, he picked Abram, who lived in the land of Ur, and he said, look at go and go to a people. You're going to be a people. I'm going to be your God. You're going to show people who I am. Like it's the beginning of it all, friends. And he is called James. The book of James reflects and goes, look at it. Abraham believed God, and that was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. From the beginning, Abraham was called God's friend. And Moses, Moses was called God's friend. You might remember this text in Genesis, from uh, Exodus 33, this is when they, they were out wandering in the desert and they were trying to figure out how to be God's people. He was going to take them to the promised land. They built the tent or the tabernacle, which was a 
temporary temple, the place where they worshiped God. Remember that? So listen to this. So Moses went out to the tent and the pillar of cloud, that would be the presence of God, would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance of their own tents. Then Exodus 33, 11, the Lord would then speak to Moses face to face just as one speaks. Do you know how it goes? To a friend. Abraham's a friend of God. Moses is a friend of God. And Jesus drops this truth, nuances this conversation about being filled with the Holy Spirit to say you and I are friends. We are ones who walk with him. So what does it look like to be a friend of Jesus then? What does it look like to be a friend of Jesus? It looks like a lot, and that's our whole journey here together, by the way. We invite you to be part of this church and this journey. That's, that's what we're doing. We're trying to figure that out. How do we walk with Jesus? How do we become a, a true, actual friend of Jesus, real in our world, real in our lives, real in our encounters? But just from this text, there's some things that it teaches us. And so I just want to point out some stuff that, that as we're studying through John, this is what this text teaches. So first... How does it look like to be a friend of Jesus? Well, Jesus says there's no greater love than one laying down their life for their friends. Look at verse 13. No greater love, greater love is no one than this, that they lay down their lives for their friends. What this is about, Jesus is going, look, you want to know what it means to be friends with me? I'm all in for you. I'm all in. Jesus loves us so much that he would do anything for us, for our good. He's all in for us. And that's what he did do. He laid down his life for us. I mean, you get into the rest of the New Testament and you start reading all the theological letters and this is what Paul meant when he wrote in Philippians that he, that he uh, became obedient, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is Jesus laying down his life. He said, I'm a good shepherd and the good shepherd knows their sheep and lay, I lay down my life for my sheep. Like, I'm choosing to do it, he says in John 10. See, he loves us so much that he gives us everything. Again, some of us are tempted to live this whole journey like it's a, a, sort of a, a, a construct of beliefs and a God that's somewhere way out there. And this is why when we pray and things don't happen or when evil does break through, we just think, well, yeah, that figures. Because we see God far away. There's a different construct to put on that, you guys. He's like, no, I love you so much that I'm in it all. And I'm in it all for you. That's what love is. It's the encoding of presence. This is God's presence in our life. In a very real way. The friends of Jesus are people who know that Jesus has done it all for them. And he's all in. This next verse says, basically goes on to say, friends of Jesus, it's all about sharing his life and his vision and his desires. It's about sharing his ministry. It's about sharing life with him. Look at verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. And when you heard me read that, you probably thought, ooh, that sounds like conditional friendship. You're my commands if you, I mean, you're my friends if you do what I command. What he's saying is, here's what our friendship looks like. You do what I'm wanting to do. 
Here's what our friendship looks like. You're engaged in my mission. Here's what friendship looks like. The things I'm saying, love one another. You're like, I'm in Jesus. I'm loving people for you. Jesus is like, my friends are people who share my mission and my passion and my vision. They're they're doing my commands. So it isn't such a conditional thing like, yeah, you're not really doing my commands so much, so we're not really that close of friends. Like, I'm keeping you at a distance. Like, that's not like the Godfather. This is, this is, this is Jesus going, no, you are my friends because you're in this with me. And I think that's so incredible that he actually then has, this is about us sharing his mission of loving the world. It's about him uh, as Lord of the universe, allowing us not to just cower in fear, but to end up being co-regents, ruling with him, having spiritual authority and impact and being actually participating with the great king and what he wants to do. I love that. We're people who share his vision for the world. That's what friendship looks like with him. You know, there's a denomination called Friends. Have you heard of those? They're better known as Quakers. But their friend, the, the name, they're, they're the Quakers were kind of a, a derogatory term about them because they were charismatic. And so they just got so in the presence of God that they would have these ecstatic experiences and people mocked them and called them the Quakers. But they called themselves the Friends. You know what that's short for? Their title, their, they named themselves, this is in the 1600s when it started through George Fox. It came out of this passage in John 15 where Jesus, they said, we're gonna be friends of Jesus for his mission in the world. And so they're called the Society of Friends of Jesus. Oh, I love that. I wanna wanna use that language from now on. I want us to be called the Friends of Jesus. We're in Covenant Church. They're Friends of Jesus there. Wouldn't that be incredible if we were known as Friends of Jesus? I'm a friend of Christ. A woman in our church who grew up in a predominantly Muslim country, said to me after last gathering, she said, you know, people there, they always ask, like, what religion are you? And she said, oh, I don't have a religion. She said, I follow Jesus. That's just, that's a New Testament thing to say. The New Testament people were called Christians, Christ ones. And so people were like, who are those people? And they're like, oh, they're friends of Jesus. They're the Christ ones. They're God's people. Isn't that cool? Well, that's being a friend of Jesus looks like. It's about sharing his life and his vision, his desire, as well as him laying down his life for us. The next verse, verse 15, is talks about the fact that it's not, this friendship with Jesus is not utilitarian, but it is intimate. We are not his cowering servants for his army to do his bidding, where we're not part of, a, an, it's an intimate thing. He goes, oh, you're not, I'm not no longer calling you servants. Do you see that in your, in your text in John 15? I no longer call you servants. Be, why? Because a servant doesn't know his master's business, but I call you friends. I, it's like my seventh grade gym coach. Whenever we'd do something stupid and I'd get in trouble, I would always be like, yeah, but coach, I, I was just thinking. He's like, Mazzarello, don't think. It hurts the team. <laughs> just do what I tell you. Yeah, but coach, I thought, don't think. Just do what I tell you. That's the opposite of what we have here. Friendship with Jesus is an intimate relationship in on what it is that he's doing. We're actually, he's actually not using us, but we have needed roles participating with him in the middle middle of what he's doing. We're insiders and our role is irreplaceable. Isn't that great language? 
to what he's about. You're an insider and your role is irreplaceable. And related to that is the fourth, the next verse goes on to say that he goes, in fact, I didn't choose, you did not choose me, verse 16, but I chose you. And I chose you that you might go and bear fruit. He chose you. This is what friendship looks like. He chose you. Yes, you. For an epic adventure. That's part of that intimacy. That's part of being an insider. That's part of being connected to Jesus in such a real way that it isn't just some religion where we're serving the morality of that religion. It isn't just some construct of ideas where we're holding up some sort of a, of a theology. It isn't just that we're believing that there's some higher power, but we're actually walking with the Lord of the universe who has specifically chosen us to have an irreplaceable role in what he's doing. And he's like, hey, where are you? Like I called your name. And you're like, you got a whole group of people. This is one service in one church on one Sunday. Like you got the whole, and he's like, yeah, but where are you, Luke? I chose you. You didn't choose me. Do you see that in your text? Verse 16, you didn't choose me. Congratulations. Look at me, I chose Jesus. I picked the right religion. I'm a winner. I'm going to heaven. He goes, that's not how it works. I chose you, Luke. I chose you to go and bear fruit. Eternal impact, fruit that will last, the text says. I chose you. I chose you, Sabrina. I chose you, Alan, right? It gets really personal. Yeah, Rudy. Friendship with Jesus is an intimate partnership in the kingdom of God. And that's the epic adventure. I don't mean epic adventure like, it's so fun, it's like a backpacking trip. I mean epic adventure like the way the text goes to say, I chose you to bear fruit, eternal fruit, fruit that will last. And then he goes, and so that whenever you ask anything, if you're looking in your scriptures, you'll see it. Then if you ask anything in my name, the father will give it to you. There's no way to read that text except to say, that if we walk with him and everything he's learned from the Father, he's made known to us, we're insiders in his ministry, his spirit lives in us, that means then that we pray with spiritual authority and stuff happens. This is epic. And it's in the heart of every man and woman that I've ever met to be part of an epic adventure, to be picked, to be Frodo who was chosen out of the Shire right? Luke, who was trained by Yoda. <laughs> Susan and Peter and Edmund and Lucy, who got called into Narnia. Every epic is about that longing in our hearts to be specifically chosen for a task that changes everything. And this is not religion. This is Jesus befriending us and walking with us in his life and ministry and passion. Man, I love that stuff. This is what it looks like to be friend of Jesus, at least just from this text. He's all in laying down his life for us. We share that vision and we're right on the inside and he has picked us specifically to play an irreplaceable role. That's real. And that's day in and day out. And it's gritty. And many of you have experienced, even this week, the intimacy of hearing the Lord, walking with God, feeling his broken heart, feeling his love for people, right? Just being part of all that he's doing in the world. What a privilege.
after all these years, I don't know what I would do without him. I don't know what you would do without him. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not a friend of Jesus, I don't, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know what you're doing, but this is it. This is it. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the life we've been called to. Friendship with Jesus. Epic journey. All right, what do we do with this? This is Jesus' mic drop in John 15. It's not because he's going to talk about amazing things for the next two more chapters, two and a half chapters. Three chapters. What do we do with this? Well, one takeaway is going to be in a minute, we got to be friends of Jesus. I'm going to get there. We're going to have to be friends of Jesus then. Are you a friend of Jesus? Before we even get there, let's not lose the fact that this whole context is what he started the text with. Look at verse 12 and verse 17. He kind of started this little paragraph and ended this little paragraph with that idea of, look at this is my command. You love each other now. This is part of my mission. You love each other as I have loved you. Verse 17, my command is love each other. So you can't get away from the fact that while he said, guess what? We're friends. Get your head around that, people. We're friends. I'm in your life. You're in my life. We're friends. Not only did he say that, but he's like, so you love other people. You know how loving other people is going to look? You're going to be their friends. You're going to be their friends the way that I'm your friend. So you're like, What? How does that look? Well, let's go through the exact same points. If we're going to be friends of Jesus or friends like Jesus, then this is what it's going to look like. We're going to have to lay down our lives for other people. Just like Jesus laid down his life for us, we're going to lay down our life for other people. I don't know if you've laid down your life for anyone. I don't know if anyone's ever done it for you, but we just do not live that way. It is the opposite of self-referenced, self-centered survival because that's what we do. That's what most of us do. Most of the time. You guys. Well, let me list them all. And this, then it's about sharing people's lives and vision and passions. It's about being in their desires and their ministry. And this isn't utilitarian. This isn't about having people serve you. This is about an intimacy with people. This is all the same stuff that we just went through with the Jesus story, with Jesus's friendship. And then we're going to have to choose people. We're going to have to be chosen for an epic adventure to live depth, uh, a life of depths with people. This is the same stuff that describes what it looks like to be a friend with Jesus. He goes, now go love each other the same way. We're like, what? Those kind of friends? He goes, go have those friends. When I look at this list, I think to myself, oh, I gotta change my life. Who am I laying down my life for? Who am I intimately involved in their passion, desire, and mission so that I have an irreplaceable role in the things that God is calling them to do? That they would say to me, if Jeff wasn't here, I wouldn't be able to be God's man in this situation. If Jeff wasn't here, my marriage wouldn't be thriving the way that it's thriving. If Jeff wasn't here, I wouldn't know how to raise my boy the way that I'm learning to raise him to be a man. Like, who am I laying down my life for intimately involved in their mission so that it happens? You guys, I don't know what else we're living for. I got to change in my life. I don't know what else we're living for. I got to cut some crap out of my life that I would be this kind of a friend more and more as God asked me to be in people's lives. Every introvert in this room is like, no. (laughs) 
And every extrovert here better be careful because dabbling in one another's lives and shooting the bull crap is not what we're talking about. We're talking about an intimacy. We're talking about carrying one another's burdens. We're talking about knowing one another and doing things that have fruit that will last. I don't know how we got here in our modern world. I don't know that the church has ever lived this way, but this is a constant challenge to everyone I've ever met. Friends, we have to change our lives. And that's just an aside from my sermon. I said, what do we do with this takeaway? If Jesus is our friend, what do, and this is the kind of friend he is, what do we do? Two takeaways. One is we got to be friends with one another like that. And that might be what you need to hear today. And how are we going to make that happen, church? Because I'll tell you what, I don't need you dabbling in my life. Brothers, I don't need you. I don't need your jokes. I don't need you dabbling in my life. I got plenty of people I can watch football with. I need you to speak into my heart. I need you to carry my burdens. I need you to disciple my kids. I need you to rescue me when my heart's broken. You hear me? Can we live that way? Can we, get, can we get there? You can't do it with everybody in the room, but I chose you, Jesus said. You specifically, he could pick all of us. You can't pick all of us, but who's God got in your life? Okay, and that's the aside, and I'm out of time, so let me just go here. Look at, here's the big takeaway. None of this is, he said, love me, love like I love, love me back, but you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And so the big takeaway is, have you made a choice to be a friend of Jesus? We have to be friends of Jesus. What does that look like? How do we become a friend of Jesus? A, we accept his invitation because he's offering it. John 1.12 says, to, to all who received him, to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him, to those who believed in him, to anybody who made the choice, he would not only be children of God, but the other metaphor he gives us here is friends. Have you received him? Have you made that choice? Have you said yes to a relationship with Jesus? Because that's how this thing, this friendship with Jesus starts, is that we receive his invitation to come in to our lives. And this is kind of funny for us because we're the people who we get an evite and it sits in our inbox for three weeks. And people are like, are they coming? I don't know. Haven't heard from the Mazzarellos. What's going on there? And so then we get the automatic return like, hey, don't forget, you've got an Evite invitation. You're like, right. And then you go in and then you're like, oh, there's a maybe button. Perfect. No. Have we said yes to the invitation for him to come into our life? This is what becoming a Christian means. This is what getting born again means. This is what getting saved means. We either have or we have not said yes to walking with Jesus and having him be in our lives. Have you done that, church? And if you're not ready to do that, totally. That's a journey for people. But don't, but don't think maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I don't know. God's up there somewhere. This is the choice to be made. How do, how do we become friends of Jesus? We receive his invitation to do so. There's another verse that John also wrote in the book of Revelation, John 3. He said, behold, I'm standing at, this is Jesus speaking. John saw the vision of Jesus. He said, behold, I'm, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice, which means he's also calling and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll live with them. 
do life with him. The, the words literally say, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me, meaning we're doing life together. We're having fellowship. We're at the table together. Have we, have you said yes to his invitation? And then the only other thing that I want to add to that is how else do we become a friend of Jesus? Then we do life with him. Then we do life with our friend, ups and downs and mini bikes and first kisses and deaths and losses and marriage and all of it. We do life with him. Is that how your life looks or do we need to change some stuff? Hope you feel and know our heart, our passionate heart, that you would find Jesus, the one you've been waiting for, as your Lord and Savior, your life. That's what we got. That's all I got for you. I'm going to have the band come. We're going to sing one more song here as we close and, and worship. And as we do, I just I want to invite you, even this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer of longing that maybe you make these words your own. Oh, Jesus, thank you for choosing me. And today I'm making the decision to choose you back. I accept your invitation for you to come into my life. I receive the forgiveness you offered on the cross. And I long to have a relationship with God. And I long to walk with you as my friend. A partner in the kingdom. A partner in loving the world. And so I give my life to you today. I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm becoming a Christian, a Christ one, a friend of Jesus, a part of the society of the friends of Jesus today. I give you my life and I receive the life that you give me and I will now walk with you. I will do life with you. And so church, even before I say amen, amen, even as we begin to worship, maybe you prayed that prayer for the very first time. You've never prayed it. You've never put that stake in the ground. And if you did, then you have become a Christ one, a Christian a friend of Jesus, and everything will be different now for he has come to live in you by his Holy Spirit. And maybe some of you have prayed that before, but you've not walked with him. You've not done life with him. You've lost contact with that friend from years ago. And maybe you re-prayed that prayer as a recommitment of your life to him. Just know he holds nothing against you and you're fully restored into a relationship with him. And so now we worship in response that we know that Jesus is enough. He is everything we need. Let's stand and worship together.